Welcome to the Jacob Barrientos Podcast. To stay connected, go to jacobbarrientos.org. And now, here is Pastor Jacob. I began a series actually on Thursday nights, and it has so been stirring in my heart. I felt the need to continue on Sunday, and I think I'm going to do it both on Sunday and Thursday for uh, until the Lord tells me that's enough. So uh, we're going to pick up, and I'll review just quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse 14. If you use the Version Bible app, you can actually find our church under events. You can see all the notes, all my points, and everything there. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. It says this out of the New King James. Now, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Let me read that again. Through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. We are to God the fragrance of Christ amongst those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death. To the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Now go to the next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. I'll read this particular one out of the New Living Translation. To set this up just a bit, the whole chapter has been about this picture of Moses with a veil over his face. Uh, he came down off of the mountain. People were freaked out. But he's saying, like, that covenant that Moses' face was glowing under is even a lesser covenant than what you and I have stepped into with Jesus. So we should expect even greater glory. I don't know what that looks like, but if Moses' face was glowing with glory in an inferior covenant, I don't know, maybe it looks like bodies on fire under the new covenant. I'm just guessing maybe that's Pentecost fire, but we should be a people of glory. But look at what it says right here. So all of us that have had the veil removed. That's happened, that happens when we believe in Jesus. We can see and reflect the glory of the Lord who is, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. The, the King James says that as we behold Him, we are transformed from glory to glory to glory. How many of you are believing for greater levels of glory as we look on, on the Lord? Hallelujah. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us through his word this morning. Lord, I just commit this word to you today. I thank you that you speak to our hearts and you change our lives. And I'm asking that this morning your word would accomplish all that you desire it to in each and every one of our lives. I pray, O oh Lord, that there would be an anointing upon this house, Lord, for you to accomplish all that you desire. Come on, church. Help me pray for a great anointing to be released right now. Pray with your spirit. Pray with your understanding. Ask the Lord to come. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. 
Begin to saturate this place. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart and a mind that perceives what your spirit is speaking. Jesus, even as you had an anointing on your life to preach good news to those who are hungry and in need, I pray, oh Lord, your anointing would rest upon me that I would preach to every hungry heart. And I bind the works of the enemy. He who would seek to distract, to distort, to confuse or uproot your word as it comes forward. Give us liberty and freedom, O Lord, in receiving all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody say, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Wow. I love the picture that's presented there in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It's this idea that the fragrance of Christ is diffused through his people. I don't know if that's like new or familiar language to you, but my wife has these diffusers all around our house. I, in fact, I brought one from the house. Do you guys all know what a diffuser is? Uh, I like to joke around with her that this is her vape. Because that's what it does. It's vaporizing whatever she's put in here. So, Leah, where's your vape? And uh, people free. I know that's bad. We don't believe in vapes, but we believe in diffusers, okay? So, um, and what happens is uh, you take and you, you've got all these essential oils. Is anybody into the essential oils? Okay, I'm not picking on you or anything because my wife is into essential oils. We've got lavender here. She likes lavender. Um, uh, we've got... Lemongrass, come, I don't even know, is that, I don't know, is that Spanish? I don't know what language that is. Um, and then we've got here, on guard, and it's a whole different mixture. I mean, this stuff, it, I'll just be honest, this seems weird to me. Is this like a potion, like you do this? And uh, I mean, it's, it's seeing stuff like this is why I wasn't allowed to watch Harry Potter growing up. Like love potions and cursing potions. It's like now we've got potions and, well, what do you do with it? You put it in your cauldron and it smokes. And uh, No, but it, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We've got them in our house. We, I actually like the lavender one. We'll do that. But, but here's, here's the point. Here's the picture. <laughs> uh, it diffuses what is put into it. And the idea that the Apostle Paul is presenting here to the church is that what we behold and what we know and what we receive, we also diffuse to the world. That's actually the word that he uses. We diffuse what he said, the fragrance of Christ to the world. Now that's a that's a beautiful picture, if you ask me. We diffuse the fragrance of Christ into the world. And it's through, and I want you to, to grab hold of this because you're going to hear me reference this a lot over the next few weeks. What, when we talk about beholding, you'll hear me reference a lot of verses that also use the word knowledge or to know the Lord. In fact, that verse we read, 2 Corinthians 2.14, says that he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. So, 
The reason I like beholding is because uh, it, it sounds much more interactive. It sounds much more uh, intimate, and that's the word that chapter 3 uses. As we behold him, we become like him. So I, for example, could tell you all kinds of facts about my wife. And you could know details about her. Many of you have not yet had the chance to meet her, but I can tell you that she, uh, that she has finished a triathlon. Praise God. I can tell you that she's a wonderful singer, and she is anointed with discernment and a powerful intercessor. I can tell you the kind of movies and the kind of music she likes and doesn't like. I can tell you that she likes certain essential oils and, and not other ones. I could tell you all kinds of things, and I could spend weeks and weeks telling you all kinds of things about her, but how many know that's very different than sitting down, looking her in the eyes, hearing her story, and knowing her. And there's many who I hear the scriptures, I've heard sermons, I sing the songs, I, I know the doctrines, I've heard what he says about the Lord, and there are many of us who know things about the Lord, but it's very different when we behold the Lord, when we gaze upon him, when he speaks into us and we speak into him, and, and this is where change and transformation truly comes. It's not from more head knowledge, but it comes from intimacy and knowing the Lord, looking in his eyes. I shared in the first service, Dr. Morocco in a marriage seminar one time was talking about spending time with his wife. And this is what he said. He said, we, were, we just sat together and I, just, I was just looking at her and it was awesome. I'm like, oh, that's it? You just look at her and that's awesome. But this last, just, what was it? Like, I don't know, two, three nights ago, I was just staring at her. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I get it. I get what Dr. Morocco is talking about. And man, I just, I desire that for anybody. If you're married, if you're not, we're going to believe for you a spouse like that. Or if you don't want to, guess what? You can behold the Lord like that. Oh, this is awesome. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, this is awesome. <laughs> So he diffuses through us the fragrance of his knowledge. So here's what I want you to write down. I've got three points for you this morning. Number one, I want you to write this down. Number one, you diffuse what you behold. You diffuse what you behold. So what you look upon, what you fellowship with, what you interact, the things that you're receiving of the Lord, you will literally begin to diffuse those things everywhere you go. Do you realize... This is kind of an interesting thing, but um, like God desires to birth things on the inside of you. Like all of you YWAM students who are just beginning this week, do you realize that the, the purpose in what you're about to step into, God literally desires to impregnate you with something that you will release everywhere else in the world? You say impregnate? Yes. Do you realize that the word seminary literally comes from the word to inseminate. That literally God is planting his seed inside of you so it will produce his life in you. This is the fragrance that he's birthing something in you and it can only come through intimacy. It can only come through beholding him and knowing him. And as we know him, it begins to emanate from our lives. Friend, I'm telling you, this is 
everything. Do you want to know, like, pastor, what do I need to do to be born again? You just need to know him. It's not about more good than bad. It's not about I've given this much as opposed to this much. It's not about I serve or I I do. It has nothing to do with doing. It has everything to do with belonging. Who do I know? Who am I beholding? You say, where's that in the Bible, Pastor Jacob? I'm so glad you asked. Look with me at John 17. In John 17, in verse 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. Everybody say, know you. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So what does Jesus say? You want to know what eternal life is? It's that people would behold the Lord. That they would know the true God and Jesus whom he has sent. This is so powerful. Colossians chapter 3. You say, well, pastor, so uh, if it's not about what I do, then do I need to live holy? Uh, or, or, what, about, what about sin, Pastor Jacob? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. Look at this, Colossians 3 and verse 8. It says this, but now you yourselves are to put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man and his deeds and have put on the new man. Now watch this. How does that happen? You have put on the new man, renewed, watch, in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. That means as you look upon the image of God, You are literally being transformed. You are literally being renewed. How? Not through doing more. Oh, I I didn't get angry today. I didn't lie today, so I must be. No, that's not what it is. It's not about just putting off the old, but it's about I know the Lord, and I'm beholding his image, and as I gaze upon him, he is transforming me. He is renewing me. In fact, I like the the way the New Living Translation says, Colossians 3.10. It says, Put on your new nature and be renewed. How are you renewed? As you learn to know your creator and become like him. Know your creator and become like him. What you behold, you will become. You want to know how you're going to live holy? Not by trying harder. Behold him. You want to know how you're going to be born again? Not by works of the flesh. No, you behold him. You want to know how you're going to move into greater measures of glory in your life, in your walk with him? You behold him. This is why, friend, this, and I'm going to give you some ways that we behold him, but I'm just telling you, it's very important for us to have a right view of God. It's very important because all of us, are influenced by the voices that we've heard growing up, by the experiences that we've had, and some of those are wonderful. Some of that is a great godly legacy. But there are also areas, and and I was looking at one in Scripture. I'd encourage you all, go back and listen to what I preached on Thursday night. I preached about the pearl of great price. And it's crazy. There's four parables in a row. 
And Jesus in Matthew 13 actually tells us, the man is the son of man, the field is the world, uh, you are the treasure. And he goes through and he explains to his disciples the meaning of these parables. And then he begins to go through and explain all of these things. And, and here's, here's what I want to get to you. And this is revolutionary, friend. I was always taught growing up that Jesus is the pearl of great price. Now, I don't want to diminish the value of Jesus at all. In fact, I want to esteem him highly. He is great. He is sovereign. He is Lord. He is God. But if you read those parables in context, you'll realize that Jesus is not the pearl of great price. He said there was a man, and he told us a few verses earlier. Should I just show you this in the Bible? Let me show you. Turn to Matthew 13. Okay, I'm going off the script here. Matthew 13. And look at verse 38. This, this is going to help some of you. Because some of you have grown up with the idea, if you sinned last week, you're a sinner in the hands of an angry God. And I don't think that's true. Heaven and hell is real. And if you die having rejected Jesus, you will understand the wrath of God. That's true. However, there is not a single person within the sound of my voice that today is abiding under the wrath of God. We're all in the valley of decision. And every one of us still has this invitation of love that's been extended towards each and every single one of us. We have this idea, I'm a worm, I'm a sinner in the hands of an angry God, and it affects the way. I I spent the first years coming into worship, and I would spend the first 20 minutes of the service, confessing and repenting, and what do I need to do so I'm actually acceptable to worship God? Read the Lord's Prayer. We worship and we adore him. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You're participating with kingdom extension. Give us this day our daily bread. You come to him with your, with your needs and, 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 and his provision, and then forgive us our trespasses. Like, we have always prioritized our sin because we view God as angry at our sin and ready to squash us. When he's saying, worship me first, adore me first, come to me, let me use you in the world, I will take care of your needs and we'll take care of the sin stuff. Now watch what he says here, Matthew 13 and verse 38. He's explaining to them a parable, and this is what he says. The field is the world. Good seeds are sown are the sons of the kingdom. The tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Tares are gathered and burned in fire, and so it will be at the end of the age. Now pause right there. Jesus is explaining to them the parable of the wheat and the tares. One went out to sow. It began to grow. Another came in at night, sowed. These began to grow. One was wheat, one was tares. What do we do? You can't take out the tares. It'll kill the wheat. That's okay. I'm going to send angels one day, and they'll sort it all out. Some will be received into eternity. Others will be cast into fire. And Jesus explains. They said, Jesus explained to us this parable. And Jesus begins to explain to him, the field is the world. The one who sows is the son of man. Who's the son of man? 
Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. This is very important. There is an enemy. He comes and he sows as well. But then he begins to share a couple parables. Look at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. What's the field? The world. Jesus just explained all of this. He gave us the, he, he gave us the, the answer key to the parable. The world is the field, which a man found. Who's the man? Jesus, the son of man. He found and he hid. For the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, I've heard some say, oh, well, the treasure is Jesus, and we give all that we have to, 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 to buy into Jesus. But here's the problem. I don't have anything with which I can buy the favor of God. I'm in the world, but Jesus looks into the world, and he sees me as a treasure. And for the joy. Why did the Bible say he endured the cross? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So Jesus looks into the world. He sees a treasure. And for joy, he gives everything. He lays down his life for the joy of redeeming us. Do you get it? Now watch with this in mind. Think about the next parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And when he has found one pearl of great price, he went. He sold all and that all that he had and he bought it. The parable saying the very same thing. Jesus is a merchant and he's looking for a pearl. And he finds in the world a pearl of great price. That's you. You're not a sinner he's waiting to squash. You are a treasure that he's infatuated with. You are a pearl that he, for joy, the joy of being with you and having you as his own, he lays down his life to redeem you. Guys, this changes everything. I, I wish I would have known this when I was still in my drug addiction. I always had this idea, I need to fix myself before I can come into the house of God. And how many times have you heard people say things like that? Oh, when I get my stuff straightened out, when I quit smoking, then I'm going to start coming. When I, when I marry that girl, then I'm going to start coming. And they think, i got to fix my stuff before I come in because they feel like God is angry with them. And they'll say things like, if I came into that church, it would just burn down. Somebody told me that not even a month ago for our fundraiser we did for Maui. Oh, I can't go to that church. It would burn down if I stepped foot in there. The next time I hear somebody say that, I'm excited. I'm going to look them in the eyes and say, my friend, do you realize you, in the eyes of God, are a treasure whom Jesus loves so much that for the joy that was in his heart, he gave his life so he could bring you back to himself? Boy, that's a different perspective, isn't it? Boy, you better get in the house of God or you're going to burn like bacon in hell. It's a different message, isn't it? 
Hell's real. Do not get me wrong. I burn with the heart of the evangelist. I traveled for years giving altar calls in doing this. We do hell house, and I believe, as my wife so eloquently put it, we're going to scare the hell out of people. But when that invitation comes, I want them to know you're a treasure. You're a pearl of great price, and Jesus has been looking for you. He's already paid the price, and he wants to redeem you back to himself. Hallelujah. So we behold him. The reason that I, that I share all of that is, friend, we need to have an accurate view of God. And that's really what I'm trying to dig into. We need to behold the Lord as he is because what you receive, somebody sent me a, an article this last week uh, uh, of the Westboro Baptist Church, and apparently they're going to Maui and they're going to go and pick it in front of our church because, boy, it's a false gospel. I don't know what God they're looking to, but it's not the God of the Bible, um, you go to their website, which I don't think I can even say the name of their website. Just search Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, I mean, you know what their website is? I'm not going to say it. It's really bad. It's so hateful. They actually went quickly and said that what happened in Lahaina was an act of God's judgment. And I'm looking at this and like, I don't know what God you're serving. But it's not the God of the Bible. Our God, the Bible says, you want to know what the most frequent declaration about our God is in the Bible? It's all the way from Genesis through Revelation. The most frequent phrase about our God is he's patient. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's of great kindness. He relents. He resists doing harm. And his desire is to leave a blessing. That's my God. That's the God of the Bible. He's gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. He relents from doing harm, and he wants to leave all with a blessing. Here's a problem. You're receiving. And what are the oils? If you've got angry God mentality, and that's what's going in, that's what you will begin to put off. But if you look upon the Lord and say, Lord, I, I need to know you as you truly are. I, I want to be upset over the things that you're upset about. But I want to be passionate about the things. I want to love the things that you love. And boy, Jesus will confuse you if, all you've ever, if you've never read his words. I mean, like, he lets prostitutes touch him. But he blasts the religious. Like, what is that? Jesus will confuse you if all you have is a religious mindset. He, he lets rejects and outcasts become his disciples and eventually his apostles while he says to the most educated and elite of the day, uh, you are a son of Satan. Like, what is that? I want to be hard where Jesus was hard and I want to be so gracious where Jesus was gracious. Hallelujah. So, okay. That was a, was that an okay bunny trail for you? Okay, so we diffuse what we behold. I'm going to go through these other ones very quickly. Number two, the aroma of Christ is life and death. The aroma of Christ is life and death. We read this in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 15 and 16. It says, for those who are perishing, Jesus is the aroma of death. But to those who are saved, it is the aroma of 
life. Now, that is intense, but this should ease your conscience a little bit. Listen, as we behold the Lord and we are transformed into his glorious image from glory to glory to glory, there are going to be people who look at what God is doing in your life and they're going to rejoice. They're going to say, praise God. God has been so good to you. I remember what you were like, but look at what the Lord has done. And they're going to be excited. But there will be others. And especially for those in this place that you're called into ministry, you need to grow some thick skin. I call it a duck anointing. You ever seen water roll off of a duck? I mean, it's like there's literally wax on their feathers and everything just rolls right off of them. You need that anointing because as you behold the Lord and as his fragrance emanates from your life, there will be some that it smells like death to them. I cannot stand. I used to like you. Now I can't stand what you've become. They're going to despise the blessing on your life. They're going to despise the relationships that you have. They're going to despise, how can you worship like that? Why do you give like that to the church? Why do you spend so much time there? Why are you doing it? And there will be people who despise that fragrance that comes off of your life. You need to be okay with that. Jesus said, you will be despised for my name's sake. He said, because of him, some will suffer persecution. And we need to be okay with that. As long as we're diffusing him. As long as we're diffusing him. As long as I'm doing what his word says. As long as I'm reflecting what he has asked me to reflect. Not my flesh. Not some Westboro Baptist weird stuff. You know, understand. As long as I'm doing what the Lord has asked me to do, I'm okay. If not, everybody likes it. Are you hearing me today? Okay. Now, let me give you one last one, and and then we're going to close. We behold the Lord through giving worship. We behold the Lord through giving worship. Worship. You could say, if you're taking notes, giving and worship, but I, 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 these things are so connected, and, and I'm going to show you that in a couple examples right here. Uh, we behold the Lord. So how do we actually behold? Look, you say, Pastor, okay, I want to make sure I don't have some twisted view or some cultural view or some, you know, the thing that was influenced by my how do I uh, How do I behold an authentic image of Jesus? How do I get a right view of God? That's really what the rest of this series is going to be about. And I want to give you just this whole idea. One of the ways that you can behold an authentic picture of the Lord is through worship. It's through giving worship. Giving worship. Everybody say giving worship. Paul The apostle on one occasion thanked the church at Philippi because they sent him a financial offering. In Philippians 4.18, he says this. He says, "Um, I indeed have all and I abound. I'm full, having received from Epaphrodites the things you uh, sent from you. The church literally raised and sent Paul an offering. And this is what he called it, a sweet-smelling aroma. An acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. 
That's awesome, man. Do you realize when you give into a building program, when you return your tithe, when you sow into Hell House, when you bring a Feast of Tabernacles offering, this is not just like I'm, I'm sowing into an evangelist, I'm sowing into a church building. No, this is a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice that we give to God, and it is pleasing to Him. Let me give you another one. In Acts chapter 10, I didn't give you guys this in the notes. In Acts chapter 10, there was a guy named Cornelius. He was a Gentile. He prayed to God, but like many, believed in God, prayed to God, even did charitable acts of giving, but he did not know Jesus, and he was not a born-again believer. But the apostle Paul comes to his house. Angel comes. He says, send for Paul. I mean, angel encounters. I mean, powerful visions from heaven. Sheet dropped down from heaven. I mean, there's some neat encounters you can read about this. The apostle Paul, I'm sorry, the apostle Peter shows up at the house of Cornelius. And he says, two things have come before the Lord. Your prayers and your giving. Your prayers and your giving. It was literally like in aroma as Cornelius, who was not even born again, but he would give to charities. But he, as his offerings would come before the Lord like a fragrance, like an incense into the very presence of God to the degree that he says, Peter, I need you to go to this house and I need you to tell him what I did, I did for him too. Not just the Jews, it's for this guy. And Cornelius and his entire household get saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because Cornelius, through his giving and through his prayers, was offering a sweet sacrifice, a smelling aroma that came before the presence of God Almighty. Let me share with you another one. Worship team, would you come? In fact, as we were in worship in the last service, I was reminded there's a, a line that we sing, and we're going to sing it in just a moment, about let our, somebody help me out. What's the, what's the phrase there? It, yeah, it, the incense. How does it go? Night and day, let incense arise. Thank you. Day and night, I knew it was there. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Did you know that twice in the book of Revelation, it talks about these bowls that are laid before the Lord, like, it, like a bowl of incense that comes before him. And do you know what that is? It's our prayers and it's our worship that comes before the Lord. Literally like an aroma that comes before him. And there's times, and you'll read about it in Revelation, where the Lord pours out the overflow of what we've been given to him. And friend, I believe that that's exactly what happens in revival. That as we're worshiping, as we're adoring, as we're giving, as we are adoring and beholding the Lord, it's like all of this is coming into the very throne room of God and being collected right there in front of him. And then there's these points in time where he says, okay. I'm going to pour it back on them. And he pours out these blessings. He pours it right back out upon his people. And these are the things that I contend for. So we adore and we behold the Lord. Now, let me give you one last picture. Out of John chapter 12. There was a moment 
a woman of God named Mary came into the presence of Jesus. And the Bible says that she had an oil, very expensive, worth a year's wages. You just imagine she comes into the presence of Jesus with a, a vial of oil that costs somewhere between sixty and $70,000. And she sits at the feet of Jesus hearing his words, but as they concluded the meal, the Bible says that she took this expensive oil. She broke open the seal and she poured it upon the feet of Jesus. I mean, this is an expensive gift. You want to talk about extravagant giving? Imagine in one moment, in one act of worship, $60,000. She pours it out on the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that she's weeping upon his feet and, and crying upon his feet. And she begins to rub that ointment into his feet and kiss his feet. And she is worshiping the Lord in a way that honestly is making others uncomfortable. Judas even speaks up in that moment and says, what is she doing? We could have taken and sold that and fed the poor. Sounds righteous, sounds good, but the Bible calls him out right away. He says he didn't care about the poor. He was stealing money. He was concerned about himself. And friend, this should issue a warning to us. If you are ever offended in your flesh by those who sit at the feet of Jesus, why would you go to church again? Why are you getting in a Bible study? Why are you reading the Bible again? Friend, if people get upset about your pursuit of the Lord, you go to church on Thursdays? You go to prayer at 6.30 in the morning? If people are offended by your pursuit of the Lord, if that stuff bothers you sitting in this room, you better check what you're beholding. Because for me, friend, when I think of all the Lord has done for me, he could never ask too much of me. Every day of the week, every night, I am pursuing him. I'm Lord, Lord I want to know you more. I, I want to hear your voice. I want to see your face. I, I want to know your touch upon my life. He was offended that she gave such an extravagant gift. If giving, if you're upset, why are we receiving a Feast of Tabernacles offering? Friend, again, what are you beholding? What is that money? $60,000. It sounds like a lot, but friend, that money is gone. 2,000 years. After she's gone, that money matters nothing. But what she did for Jesus, we're still talking about today. In fact, Jesus said, she has anointed me for my burial, and her story will be told for all eternity. One act of generous giving is still echoing in eternity, and when you get to heaven, Jesus himself is going to introduce you to the one who worshiped him. If giving bothers you, who are you adoring? Who are you adoring? If worship well, that makes me uncomfortable. I volunteered to play drums for our women's event just the other night just because I, I had an expectancy God was going to move, and so I had to convince my wife to let me to come. And, uh, and I came, and, you know, there's a moment where there was a lady. I, I don't know if she belongs to this church. I, I didn't recognize her. I think she was a guest, but she came up over in this area as we were worshiping, and she just began to dance before the Lord. You know, just her own free dance. And, and there was a time where that would have bothered me. But as I have grown in the Lord and I behold the Lord, 
I've just learned there's no act of worship that could be too extravagant for the King of Kings. There is no expression of worship that is too much that he is not deserving of. And if I'm offended by that, boy, I need to check. Am I really beholding the Lord or am I concerned about what makes me comfortable or what makes my flesh cringe? So Mary comes and she she gets on her knees and she breaks this vial of oil and begins to pour it on the feet of Jesus. She is weeping over his feet and wiping his feet with her hair and I can just picture her kissing his feet and loving and worshiping and and there's murmuring and criticism that's going on around but Jesus is receiving her worship and and so blessed by your worship, you are anointing me for my death and all that I'm about to do. And friend, can I just highlight to you, there were two people who left the house that day smelling like a million bucks. Jesus was anointed. And Jesus left smelling like the most expensive perfume you can imagine. But not only that, this woman, Mary, also left smelling like a million bucks. She also left emanating the fragrance of Christ everywhere she went. This is where when we behold the Lord, when we sit at His feet, when we worship Him, when we give to Him, these are moments that we're beholding Him and we're loving Him and we're honoring Him and we're esteeming Him. She didn't come seeking a breakthrough or any kind of blessing, but she left smelling like Jesus. And as we behold Him, friend, you and I also begin to emanate that fragrance of the Lord everywhere we go. So I thought it'd be fitting. I'd, I'd like you to stand right now all across this room. I was intentional to create a little time at the end of our service because I wanted to spend just a few moments and give you the opportunity to worship and adore the Lord. We're going to go back into worship, and in a few moments, this isn't time to leave. This is a time to pour your affections on the Lord. In a moment, I'm going to come back and pray a closing prayer over us. But what I want to do is, as we begin to worship right now, I want you to posture yourself even as Mary did in the first service, people were kneeling here in the altars, and I know as full as we are, I, I can't invite everybody to do that, but, but I want you today to posture yourself in a way where just for the next few moments, we can worship and adore the Lord. I don't want you to worry about who's next to you. Yeah, there may be people that murmur and say, why are you, you going to worship like that? Why do you want to go down there? Why would you kneel? Why would you lay down? Why would you jump up and down? Forget all of that. If he's worthy of it, we're going to give it. If he's worthy of it, we're going to worship him with everything that is in us. And so can we just take a moment with surrendered hearts and with surrendered lives, can we just love on the Lord Jesus for a few moments here? So come on, let's just worship him. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. Our goal is to make as many messages available for free as possible. But if you've been impacted today and would like to sow into our ministry, please visit our website at jacobbarrientos.org.